welcome to the service, uh, those that are here and those joining us online as well. And for those who don't know me, I'm Glenda and I'm part of the ministry team here at New Penn. Now, I know we keep saying it, but it really has been a tough couple of years, hasn't it? And one of the things that we as a staff were concerned about uh, during the lockdowns was how we were going to keep you as our church family connected and, and how we were going to care for you. But you know what? You guys did it. You were the ones who kept in contact with each other. You rang each other, you dropped off meals on doorsteps and flowers, you sent cards and emails. You did all sorts of things to keep connected and to make sure that you were all doing okay. In 2 Corinthians it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassions and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And I know that your care for each other is continuing beyond the lockdowns. And I want to let you know, I'm not, I think I'm allowed to say, I'm not sure, but I'm going to say it anyway, that I am just so proud of you. I really am. I am so proud of you and I'm so blessed to belong to this church family who take on board and actually live out God's desire that we comfort and we care for each other. But if you're anything like me, I know I need reminders about how God wants us to do things. And today, Job's story is going to help us to do that. Now, this book of Job has many theological aspects to it, but it also some, gives us some very helpful tips of how best to care for each other and how not to care for each other. The story of Job begins by telling us that in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Now, here's someone who was a good man. Job had faith in God and he tried to do what was right. And we're also told that Job was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So God had really prospered Job. He had a big household. He had heaps of land and possessions and he had seven boys and three girls that he really loved. But then trouble comes. In chapter 1 of Job, we're told that he lost his property, his income, his servants, his standing, and his family. And then Job even lost his health when we're told that he's covered with sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. So if you were Job's friend, obviously he's in need. What would you do? I want you to have a look at the screen and have a look at these possibilities and think about which of these that you would do. Talk him through his problems. 
Quickly think of Bible verses to help him. Ask him if he's done something to deserve these problems. Refer him to the pastors or the pastoral care team. Or five, none of the above. Okay, we're going to come back to your choices later on. But it's obvious Joe's in need. And so three of his friends come along to comfort him. And one of the things that God does in this story is he shows it what it means to be helpful and what it means to not be helpful. In chapter 2, it says that these friends sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And this is the first thing that God is showing us about caring for someone. If they're like Job and they don't feel like talking, just sit with them. And if they do feel like talking, just listen. Now, listening isn't something that comes naturally to some of us. You know what it's like when you're talking to someone and you know they're not really listening to you. And it's a dead giveaway when you look at them and their eyes are glazed over and you can see their brains ticking over because they're just dying to get in what they want to say. Or worse still, what advice they want to give you. But I really want you to think about this, that listening is one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone. It shows that we care, it shows that we're interested in them as a person and we're interested in what's going on in their life. And it would be really good if the story of Job and his friends finished there and we could say, what a great bunch of guys. But then comes chapter 3 where Job lets them know how deeply in pain he really is. And if you summarise chapter 3, Job's pretty much saying, I wish I'd never been born. I'm sick, I'm miserable, my heart is broken, and it would have been better if when I'd been born, they'd just dug a hole and buried me in it. And now we start to see the unhelpful help that Job's friends give. One of his friends, Aliphaz, says to him, Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. But now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. It strikes you and you're dismayed. So it's like this friend is saying to Job, I'm really disappointed in you, mate. I thought you had real faith in God. But here you are, trouble comes and you're down in the dumps. And this is the second thing that God is reminding us about caring for each other. It is not for us to decide when someone has felt enough pain or grief. And it's not for us to question their faith in God. The next unhelpful help is when Eliphaz claims that God has given him this special knowledge and shown him what advice needs to be given to Job. So he said, 
Blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Eliphaz is implying, well, Job, you know, the fact that you're in trouble shows that you've obviously done something to deserve it. And so what we learn here is that using Bible references or giving advice that we think is from God meets with this response that God gave Eliphaz when he said, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job did. So even though Eliphaz and his friends were quoting things from the Bible and claiming, they were claiming to have knowledge from God that had nothing to do with what was actually going on with Job. And so God's saying to us, don't be too quick to come up with Bible verses that explain someone else's suffering. And after his good mate had given him religious principles for understanding why he's in so much trouble, Job has this to say, a despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. You know what Job's saying? I reckon we should have brothers and sisters who never stop caring for us. No matter what we're going through, no matter how hard it is to walk with us, they just don't give up on us. I've said before that when I left the church for three years, it was one of the worst times of my life. I felt lost, I felt empty, and I'd become someone that I didn't want to be and someone that I didn't like very much. But there were faithful friends from this church, and they're here today, that I'd known for many years, and they didn't give up on me. Although they tried to reach out to me over those three years, I didn't want to know them. I was too busy doing my own thing. But after three years away from church and away from God, when I told these friends how unhappy I was, how guilty I felt, and that I didn't think God would want me back, you know what they did? They didn't give me advice. They didn't tell me how bad I'd been. I already knew that. These faithful friends stood by me. They prayed with me and they helped me come back into this church family. So God used these faithful friends who just listened and cared and loved to help me come back to him. I pray that we will all seek to be like those faithful friends. I hope we'll continue to be a church family that God calls us to be, a family who cares for each other, a family who will comfort those in any trouble with the comfort 
we ourselves have received from God. And when you think about it, our church family is like our biological family. When someone in our biological family is in trouble or they need care or help, we're the ones who provide it. And it's the same with our church family. God says it's our responsibility to care for each other. So what does this look like? Firstly, we need to be connected in with a smaller group within our church family. A group where we can really get to know each other, where we can pray for each other, where we can share our needs and care for each other. Now, these smaller groups we often think of as just life groups, but it can be more than that. It can be a life group. If you're part of a ministry group, that's a group that should be caring for each other. You might be part of a a prayer group or an interest group or even a friendship group. Now, of course, the pastors and the pastoral care team want to know when those in our church family are in need or struggling. But it's from that small community that we are connected into that we will receive the best care and support. The pastors and the pastoral care team are available when that small group can't meet the needs of someone or when extra support's needed or in the case of something like a bereavement or a serious illness. And I know it's not possible for everyone to be in a smaller group. And this is where we, as brothers and sisters together, make sure that we look out for those people. If we go back to that slide, asking us to choose what we do to help Job, I wonder what your choice was. Don't say it out loud. Because whatever it was then, I hope that now it would be none of the above. And that it would be replaced with a commitment to listen much and talk little. Don't preach or give quick fix Bible verses. Don't accuse or or criticise. Try and put yourself in that person's situation and give practical help and encouragement. What sort of practical things can we do for people? Well, first of all, we need to check what the person actually needs. We can make assumptions about what someone needs, but we need to ask them, what do you need? How can we best help? And look, it can be things like meals, visits, housework, gardening. Um, And one thing that's come to my attention recently is when someone's caring for someone, perhaps a spouse, Giving, going and sitting with that unwell person and giving the carer some me time. But it really depends on what the person needs and wants. If the New Pen staff hear of someone in our church family who needs care, our first response is always to find out what small community that person is connected into. 
and then to ask them to be Jesus' hands and heart for that person in need. And if you hear of someone in the church family who's in need, can I encourage you that your first response is, what can I do to help that person? Especially if they're not connected in with a smaller community. We are so blessed to have Lucy starting as our connections and care pastor in a couple of weeks' time. And I know that Lucy would love to hear from any of you who would be able to provide care in any way for those in our church family who are not connected into a smaller group. And if that's you, please contact me and I'd be very happy to hand over your details to Lucy. And sometimes we think, well, there's nothing much I can do. Well, I remember, and many of you will remember, many years ago, a lady in this church who couldn't do an awful lot, she didn't drive. You might remember her from, she had a shopping trolley that she used to pull along with her little dog in it. And many of us made the mistake of going up to pat that little dog. And you were very lucky if you came away with any fingers left afterwards. But many of you know who I'm talking about. Dear Joyce, Joyce Denton. So as I said, Joyce couldn't do a lot. So what did Joyce do? She rang every person who came to church on their birthday. I know we couldn't do it now with all the privacy and everything. But Joyce knew that was one thing that she could do to show love and care for the church family. And our adult kids still talk about the, phone, the birthday phone calls that they got from Joyce. And you know, there's one thing that we can all do, and that's pray for each other. Job got it right when he said, a despairing man ought to have the devotion of his friends. God commands us to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I pray that we'll continue to be a church that loves and cares for each other. A church that the world looks at, that the community looks at, and wants to be a part of when they see the love and the care that we have for each other. Please join with me as we pray. Father God, thank you for showing us what it means to love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you that your church family here are so faithful in caring for each other. We ask that you would continue to lead us and guide us to those brothers and sisters who you want us to get alongside and support and encourage. And we pray that those in our community would know that we are your disciples by the love that we show each other. And Lord, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.